Today's guest is Katie Delbout, speaker, yoga teacher, social media butterfly, life coach, podcast host, and most importantly, the mayor of the wellness wonderland. Coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township, it's the Fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast! And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas Soule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life to whatever you want it to be and taking action on your dreams, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to enter the fly zone. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the fly host you love the most, and I'm back with another episode of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. And I have another special guest for you today. And man, this is kind of silly, but I had no idea that we were in the same uh, in the same state. So I just found that out before we got on the show. But today's guest is Katie Delbout, and I'm excited to have her on because I first found her on Instagram, you know, looking at different uh, motivational lifestyle things that are out there. And I came across her page, uh, you know, then went to her website and saw all the unique, cool things that she's doing as far as uh, health and, and just really empowering for women. So I wanted to have a conversation with her about all of those things. And so without further ado, Katie, uh, thanks for coming on today, and how are you doing? Blake, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I love that line. I, too, host a podcast, and I want to steal that. What is it? Fly host with the most? Yeah, fly, the fly host you love the most. The fly <laughs> host you love the most. Oh, that is so good. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here with this fly host. Oh, I appreciate that. So for for starters, Katie, um. Can you just talk about, you know, your story? Like, how do you end up, you know, where you are right now in life? Yeah. So I think like anybody, it's a winding road to get Mm -hmm. to to where you are, but I wouldn't trade any of it. I think it's really made me into the person I'm, I am obviously, but it's, it's also gotten me on this career path. I never even knew existed before and never would have known existed if I didn't have my own struggles to kind of lead me here. So you know, I, I've told this story in so many different ways and it can be super long or super short, but I'll give you somewhere in the middle and you can flush out anything that, that you want to. But basically when I was in college, I was studying broadcast journalism. And at the same time, I had a job where I could just kind of be on my computer a lot. And I loved following blogs. I loved reading blogs. I loved reading design blogs and fashion blogs and just any kind of lifestyle blog I really loved. And I would do that at my job. And that one day I realized like, well, I could do that. I could, I could have a blog like that. And I, at the time was getting super into wellness and holistic health and wellness really in the sense of the physical body. So I was really focused on healthy eating and foods and yoga. And that, that was where my focus was completely. It was really what I was passionate about then. And so then I started to read blogs on on that topic and then it just kind of became a natural fit. I was doing my yoga teacher training that I would have a blog about those topics. So I'd be a health and wellness blogger. And I started this blog called The Wellness Wonderland. And at the time, you know, no one was following, but I was really sharing what inspired me in real time and I loved it. And what happened is I was so obsessed with health and wellness and only from the perspective of your body. I wasn't really 
thinking about the fact that health and wellness is an umbrella that incorporates all areas of your life, like your relationships and your spirituality and your mental wellness and not just your physical well-being. And the goofy thing about it was at the time, my physical well-being was the worst that it's ever been in my life. I spiraled my obsession for healthy eating and healthy foods right into an eating disorder that got really serious and, and really bad. And at the end of my college, I didn't even know if I'd be able to go on and and finish school because I was in this really bad place and I had to get a lot of help. And from that experience, working with therapists and coaches and reading a lot of self-help books to heal my eating disorder, I realized that true health, true wellness isn't about the physical body. It's about having healthy relationships and healthy mental wellness and a healthy spiritual relationship of your own understanding. And that's what I found through that sort of thing. So then I got really addicted, just like I had previously been with holistic health and wellness for the body and with Mm -hmm. food and diet and exercise. I did the same thing for spirituality and personal growth and self-development. And I was using that as like a drug, right? I was really turning to that for spiritual entertainment, right? And I ended up realizing recently in the last few years that it's not merely about either of those things. They're just two buckets that we need to fill up in our lives. They're both wonderful things to you know, I still like green juice as much as the next guy. And I still read a lot of self-help books, but that's not the only things in my life. I want to make sure my relationships are really awesome. I want to find entertainment and I want to laugh. I want to explore other things. And I really want to be a well-rounded person studying social issues and talking about feminism and talking about other things that are important to me to be a really well-rounded person and enjoying life, not just being so rigid and disciplined in these one specific areas. And that's kind of how this whole umbrella of the Wellness Wonderland, even though when I first thought of that name and I first started the blog, it was a very different meaning to that phrase. But now it has a whole different meaning to me. But the the phrase remains because it really encapsulates everything that I teach and, and preach and am passionate about now, which has really expanded since, you know, years ago when I when I started that. So that's where I am now. And I host a podcast like yourself where I interview people who inspire me and I just have real long, deep conversations. And I love doing that. And I have a book coming out, which I got this amazing opportunity to write a book with my dream publisher, Hay House. And the book is coming out April 5th. And my book is about journaling because journaling was a really positive tool for me during what I went through to really helped me understand who I was. I think in our 20s, we're constantly evolving and changing and growing so rapidly. It's like a second adolescence that we're going through. And so navigating that, getting to know yourself is really crucial. And journaling was the tool that really helped me to do that. So yeah, that's that's kind of a long and winding road to where I am. But if you have any other questions, I'm happy to to flesh out any of that. But that's that's the gist of it. I guess we could just wrap it up from here, right? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love I love everything that that you were saying because that if I'm thinking back to it, that was really what got me so interested in when I found you on Instagram. It was like ah, holistic because that's that's what I love and and really debunking all those things like 
Like there is no other option for you to to heal yourself. And when I started seeing that's what you were talking about, I was like, oh wow. Like that's that's the stuff that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. So when when you were going along this 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 journey and you talked about you know having having the eating disorder, you know, what what helped you uh, and you alluded to a couple of things there, but what helped you, you know, make your way through that? Was it was it just the the coaching and the, and the different therapists that you helped? Uh, I mean, that helped you uh, make it through that, or or did you say to yourself something needs to change, or did you have a, a family environment that was uh, worried about you that said, okay, um, we'll help you any way that we can? Yeah, I mean, it was a combination of all of those things. I mean, mm. my family, my professors, my friends were all very worried and very supportive. And the interesting thing about eating disorders, though, is that it's very difficult to accept and hear that help when you're not ready to receive it. It's just like any other addiction, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when someone comes to you when you're not ready to take that information, you you just think, oh, they don't want me to, to be happy and do this. And I'm really into, I'm just the healthy one. This is just what I do, you know, or they're jealous or they're, you know, they don't understand. And I know that sounds crazy, like thinking back and it, like I cringe to think, but like that's, it's a very tricky thing to be able to talk to people about. And for me, that was, you know, a huge piece that I had the support of my family. I ended up having to move home um, near after that. And my mom was, was super supportive and I sought treatment and I had, you know, a lot of help and support from, from different people that I was working with at the time. And so that was, that was a big, big part of it for sure. And then, you know, another part of it was that it wasn't sustainable, right? You know, I, I always want to tell people that and, and to talk a little, to flesh out my specific eating disorder a little bit. And I think this is good for you with being, you know, so holistic and I love holistic living and eating as well. However, I don't think it needs to be, there's a slippery slope, right? When you're into healthy eating and healthy living and healthy foods where it can become an addiction and that can be, it's called something called orthorexia. And I don't know how familiar you are with that, Blake, but it's an obsession with healthy foods, an obsession with healthy eating and where it impacts the rest of your life. And that that is what I had. I mean, I think at the time when I was actually diagnosed, I was categorized as anorexia, which I definitely had a lot of that as well. And I think as, as women, we have a lot of, most of us has body image issues. Increasingly more men do, many men do as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a separate issue. But for me, I had a lot of orthorexic tendencies. So that's an obsession with healthy food, not wanting to eat a food that you've considered bad, right? It's making foods good or bad. It's, you know, eating something that you didn't want to eat and feeling bad about yourself, right? When in reality, there our lives should be so much more than making our bodies our masterpiece. Our our life should be our masterpiece, right? Not just our, our merely our, our physical body. Um, taking care of it, of course, but also taking care of your life and finding pleasure in your food because we we have so few sensory pleasures in life. And Food is one of them, and to deny that is denying a human pleasure, and it's not worth that to live this rigid, perfect lifestyle with your diet, and that's what I didn't realize back then, and so you know, I think what happened for me is living in that way, that very rigid way, wasn't sustainable for me, and and my physical body, which my organs were shutting down, I couldn't physically live there. So I knew I had to gain some weight. And so what happened was, and I've never really talked about like the details of this before, but basically I 
gained a bunch of weight in treatment where I got to a point where I was still underweight, still under the weight I'd been in high school and the weight that I naturally um, want to be, the weight that I am now, still significantly under that, but higher to the point where the dietitian was like, all right, you still need to gain some more weight, but like you can come out of, you know, the daily treatment. Right. And, and that's what I did. And I was like, cool, I'm okay here. I'm good here, you know, but I still, my body wasn't functionally functioning well. And I wasn't eating, I wasn't intuitively eating, right? I wasn't like fully nourishing myself. I was still super rigid and healthy. And after a while, um, it just, I learned more. I learned about intuitive eating. I started to learn about body image. I started to feel like I wanted to make a change in the, the, the way that I was eating and living. I knew in my heart that it wasn't sustainable. You know, I hadn't had my period in almost 10, almost 10 years in like seven years. Mm. And I, I knew that there were things in my body that, that weren't functioning properly. And so I, I found this woman by the name of Isabel Fox and Duke. She's amazing. You should look her up. And she um, really was the first one to introduce me to a concept called health at every size, which is, you know, for people listening or, or yourself, if you're not familiar, it's, it's really blows the lid off. A woman named Linda Bacon wrote a book called health at every size. And she's a medical doctor who has years of experience and has done so much research and realizes that your weight doesn't really dictate how healthy you are. It's an, it's not an indicator of health in any way. And so I started to learn about health at every size. I started to learn about intuitive eating. I started to learn about hormones and all of these things that I really was like, oh, maybe there's another way to see it. And I started to realize that my obsession with being so thin didn't re- had a lot to do with our society and it had a lot to do with, you know, a body shape that wasn't meant to be mine. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up like watching Mary Kate and Ashley and I was like, why don't I look like an Olsen twin? Mm. And then I realized that like I'm taller and I'm don't have that body shape and that's just not how my body like wants to be. And to try to fit it into a mold that it's not wanting to be in is not a very kind thing to do. And so I just, I started to, you know, listen to my body more, eat, eat in a more intuitive way. And I started to gain more weight, more weight than I was comfortable with. And it really scared me. And every time I would do that, I'd have to buy new clothes and I would have to really reframe my mind. But I realized that our bodies are constantly going to be changing, you know, mm-hmm. as we age, as we grow older, like the whole aging process and just in general, our, our weight will fluctuate. So if I was going to let it dictate my mood and dictate my happiness, it could take me out on a second's notice all the time as I got older and I wasn't willing to let my life be completely dictated by that anymore. So I really realized that like, wow, I'm going to have to start to focus on other tools to make me feel better and to make me understand that my success is not based on the number on the scale or how my clothes fit or, you know, what I feel like in my body. And I was actually, I wrote a, I wrote a essay on this I can send you, but I, I looked back on that time so fondly when I was thinner, wishing that I could be there because I want to tell you that like nothing really happened when you, when I reached that special weight. But the thing was that it did, like people did treat me differently. I did feel more confident, but that's a result of our society, right? Our society 
favors thinness. Our society has revered this one standard of beauty, thinness, as what we think is beautiful when in reality body diversity exists and that's Mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing. It would be so boring if we all looked (laughs) the same. So thank God it does exist. However, you know, we see largely one body shape in the media. It's, you know, largely white, thin women, right? Right. And unfortunately, that's what we perceive as beautiful. So then, of course, we're wanting to attain that standard of beauty. And what we put in the media as beautiful is what's difficult to attain, right? So years ago, what was beautiful was a thicker body shape because that was difficult to attain. That cost money, that cost resources to attain. Whereas now, it costs money and resources to buy the special green juice, to have organic produce, to have a personal trainer, to have the time to go to the gym, to make your special food, whatever, right? So we're putting ourselves on this path to, to this idealistic shape of a body that A, might not be what we are even meant to be physically. And then also, you know, the people that have that body might not even be meant to have that body, right? Mm -hmm. They might be killing themselves trying to eat a certain way, but they can because they have the money and the time and the resources and the personal chef and the trainer and the the time in their day that they don't have to work to be able to do all those things that are their full-time job, right? So that's kind of what led me to this path of now being like, all right, this is the way my body is. I'm going to stop clenching so tightly to this disciplined way of eating and being and just allow my body to be what it's going to be because it's constantly going to be changing and I might as well just try to enjoy it and be okay with it. And it's a practice, you know, every, I struggle with this all the time still, but I try to make my, what I call bad body image moments, not turn into bad body image days or weeks where I don't get anything done and I just like feel bad about myself for eating something or whatever. Does that make sense? It definitely makes sense. You know, it's like that, you know, almost like a, like a come to Jesus moment, just having to realize that every, like you were saying that every person's body can't be the same of someone else's. But I I am curious, like what, when you talk about body image and, and intuitive eating, and then also you mentioned uh, health at every size, what, what was that image? And I know you mentioned the media has the image of the of the the thin uh, white woman that's very popular in our society. But what what is that image in your mind? And, and what were you picturing yourself as that didn't seem to fit with that image? Yeah. So I mean, I think we all have really unique body body sizes and shapes, and they're all really different. And I think you know, for some people. They're okay with themselves as they are, and that's great. That's fantastic. But and they've they've like come out unscathed out of the system of society. But there's a lot of other people who want to subscribe to changing their bodies and are just constantly have this baseline dissatisfaction with the way that they look. And I think unfortunately that's way more common in people. Mm-hmm. And that was the case for me. It was like the biggest sword in my spine, right? It was like my biggest biggest struggle and something, you know, I still, like I said, I still deal with to this day. However, I just learned more. And, and I think my thing was too, and and we mentioned this, like, I love healing with, with food. And I, I, I was like, you know, during this eating disorder, like I was really into raw veganism and I was like, Mm. really like, you know, and, and eating that way wasn't 
perfect for my body all the time. Like, as you know, we live somewhere like very cold. And so (laughs) like having cooked food is just like what I need. And I wasn't like sustaining myself and I was getting really sick and it just like wasn't working for me. But I wasn't listening to that because I was so engrossed. Like, well, this is the best thing to do to be healthy. But when I actually was like in the doctor's office, I was like, wasting away. My organs were shutting down and I was like the least healthy that I've ever been. So learning about, yeah. And so learning about health at every size was really a a turning point for me. And, and like I mentioned, my, my coach, Isabel Fox and Duke, who I worked with years later after I had healed a lot of that, um, really introduced me to Linda Bacon and her work in health at every size where she discusses how, you know, people who, are heavy are not less healthy than people who are thin. And there are some people who are thin who are really unhealthy. And just the size, people are discriminated on on the basis of size and weight every single day. And And in the medical system, so many people don't, aren't educated in that. And they just look at people at, who are over, who are not overweight. They, that's another term that is problematic in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. But um, people who are fat and they look at that and they, instead of looking at the actual issues that they have, they will just say that they need to lose weight. So mm-hmm. instead of like telling a diabetic that they need to balance their blood sugar, they'll say that they just need to lose weight. And so that's problematic because if they actually looked at the actual issue and started healing the issue, then that would make the difference. And um, it's just really important for people to check out her work. I had her on my podcast. It hasn't aired yet, but okay. I'm, I don't feel like I'm doing it justice, but mm-hmm. just the, learning the concepts that health and weight aren't super intertwined for my the orthorexic part of my eating disorder, right. that's really important. And then the anorexic part of my eating disorder, doing the body image work and learning about how bodies and media and women, how women and bodies are portrayed in the media, rather. Learning about that really helped me on the other anorexic side with the body image work. So I think Did that answer your question? I'm sorry if I completely didn't answer your question. No, you did. And I and I think that and I think that's key right there because when you when you mention, you know, the 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 body image and and how you feel about yourself and it feels like that has like a almost like a direct correlation to to how you live your life and 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 the things that you are doing. So for for those of us you know listening in or uh, to this episode, just trying to figure out you know what we can do because this isn't something that we're hearing all the time. Like there's a there's a health at every size. We all have that that image that oh this is what you're supposed to look like and have all these different charts and what have you. So what what can we do to to start um, uh, informing ourselves about our bodies and really taking taking more of the driver's seat on on what we're doing to ourselves? Yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing is really to just question it. You know, to question like for me, I hid behind. I used health. I used the label as a veil, right? So, and I think that's really common. So, I think. A lot of people like think about in the in the nineties, right? Or in the eighties, people just like called a spade a spade, right? They were dieting for aesthetic reasons. So it was like low fat, like diet coke, like all of that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That was the a, a popular thing to do, but like 
people knew it was for vanity. They knew it was for aesthetic. So it wasn't really cool. Whereas now, like, basically dieting is cool. But people don't call it dieting, of course. Of course, never. Right, it's, of course. It's a healthy lifestyle, right? It's like health. And it's cool, right? Like, Jay-Z and Beyonce are vegans or whatever. <laughs> and, like, everybody's, like, veganism and green juice. And, like, there's, like, health food stores everywhere. And there's this and that. And, like, that's great. And I'm and both of us are like in that world in many ways. And like mm-hmm. I, you know, my freaking blog is called The Wellness Wonderland. Like I understand and I think it's great. And I think, you know, having healthy options available is fantastic. However, the danger with this health movement is that people are moralizing it. It's becoming this moral issue and people are clouding, you know, they're saying, oh, I'm doing this to be healthy. I'm eating this way to be healthy. But really, if I was to say to them, you know, you're not going to lose any weight. Are you still going to eat this way? Mm. Like hypothetically, you know, you're you're not going to lose any weight. Like, are you really doing it to just be healthy or are you doing, and there's so many people who are, and that's fantastic. And I think with women though, with women who are dissatisfied with their bodies, I think the purpose of doing it to lose weight and diet, making it into a diet is way more common, even though they're characterizing it and categorizing it as healthy eating and, oh, it's just how I eat. I'm just being healthy. But really they're denying themselves and they're depriving themselves and they're just calling it healthy when really they're denying themselves pleasure in life to manipulate their size and shape. And so it's just something to keep in mind and just check yourself. And I think we constantly go in and out of that, but Weight has become so intertwined and braided together with health in our society and in our culture that it's like, oh, I'm being good today by not having dessert. Like being good because you won't lose weight, being good for your health, unclear, right? You know, it's like unclear, not really. What is it really? And I think you have to get honest with yourself because for so long when I was doing that, I really truly believed I was doing it for health. It wasn't so black and white of like, oh, I want to lose weight and like look like an Olsen twin. Like, oh, that would be a nice side effect, but I'm really doing it for health. Like, but really I didn't realize that it was so intertwined in my mind. And so I think the first step for people is to really get honest about their motivations and, and nourish yourself with healthy foods most of the time. And then also treat yourself to other things that you really enjoy because we need that sort of nourishment too. We need to feel satisfied in the way that we eat in all of the different directions. So I think nourishing yourself fully from within and knowing your motivations behind what you're eating and not depriving yourself and then also doing the body image work. That's the other piece. And questioning, like I said, the media like I did, I'll give everyone a really great, like um, solid, tangible tip. And this is something that I learned in my recovery process or discovery process is something called exposure therapy. It's the only proven way to heal body image. And my mentor, Isabel, taught me this. And basically what it is is you want to look at bodies your size or bigger and just look at them. And at the beginning, if you're just starting on this, you might be like, oh, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to look at these bodies. And that's how I was. I was like, oh, gross. Like as terrible as that sounds, but that's how I felt at first. And then over time, by by doing that, it helps you to realize that you start to see the beauty in the other people. And, and I did. I was like, oh, she's beautiful, but I don't want to look like that. That's mm-hmm. how I started. Okay. But over time, I was able to be like, find the beauty in her and then 
it's easy for, easier for us as humans to find beauty in other people than it is to find beauty in ourselves. So if you practice doing it in other people, you'll see yourself in the mirror and be like, oh, well, I thought that girl looked cute in those jeans. I guess I, I'm okay how I am here now, right? So that's a really great tip. It's the only proven way to improve body image is to do exposure therapy. So, you know, following plus size models or just finding people in your life that have all different types of bodies are really important because if you're just looking at the media, you're really going to primarily see one type of body portrayed. And so you're going to think that that's the best one. And that's the one that you should be. And that's what you should strive for. And you might have a lot of people in your life who are also under that impression and also striving for that body and maybe have achieved that body unnaturally. And so you think that you're bad or wrong or you're not good enough. And so by realizing that body diversity exists and then putting that intentionally in your sphere and like looking at that Mm -hmm. really helps you to feel less alone and find beauty in yourself. Gosh, that's that's really interesting. I just felt like I got like the the most awesome lesson about you know holistic wellness. So thank you for sharing that. And then, oh, of course, and then, yeah, it's deep just, stuff. It really is, and I, I love hearing this stuff. And talk about you know um, journaling. You have your book coming out, and it talks and it's different resources to and tools to help us journal. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so journaling, just like you know, writing and and letting out your thoughts. My book is called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. And journaling was a huge tool for me to get to know myself. So beyond my physicality, I had to, my worth was so tied up in how I looked and what my body size was. I had to literally get to know myself and who I was beneath that, who I was as a personality, as a soul, as who I actually came into the world as. And so to do that, journaling was a really great tool for me to understand myself and get to know myself. And I think a lot of people have, I realized I loved the tool so much, but when I would start to talk about it to people I was working with or people I was mentoring, they'd be like, oh, well, I'm not a writer. And Mm -hmm. I don't, if I sat down to do it, I wouldn't have anything to say. And I, it seems like work to me and I don't want to do it. And it was such a positive tool for me. I really wanted everyone, even if that's how they felt, to try it at least because I don't consider myself a writer either. And I didn't feel like it was something that came naturally to me at first as either. But I realized that this type of writing is innate to us. If you can write a text message, you can drink. <laughs> If you can write an email, you can journal. It's just writing like you speak. So if anyone can speak and have a conversation with someone, they can journal. And it's just about having a conversation with yourself. And if you ask yourself good questions, you'll get good answers from your intuition. And journaling is just a way to connect to your intuition, your deeper self, your higher self, your internal voice. Your If that word intuition is like scary for people, just think of your gut feeling, right? Okay. Um, you know, anything you like, oh, I had an, I knew that was going to happen or, you know, your gut feeling, right? That's all your intuition is. And journaling is a great way to connect to that. And so if you ask yourself good questions, you'll get good answers. If you ask yourself bad questions, you'll get bad answers. So what I mean by that is like, if you ask yourself the question, why is my life so terrible, right? And you journal on that, you're going to get answers to prove that. So you're going to say, well, it's so terrible because you're so ugly and you have nothing and you don't have any money and no one likes you. And it'll like start to tell you all the negative things in your life and bring those up, right? But if you ask yourself a different question about how can things improve, your intuition will conspire to be like, well, yesterday was terrible, but today is better. You could improve by getting up tomorrow and wearing a good outfit and and going to that class or 
reading that book or calling that friend or going on a walk or listening to a podcast with Blake or doing whatever, right? And it'll start to conspire to give you these really awesome answers. And it's also important to let out the negative stuff too. And and what my book does, it really gives people prompts to guide them into these different areas. So I talk about organization. I talk about health and healing. I talk about relationships. I talk about getting to know yourself. I talk about spirituality. I talk about lots of different things and there's each one is a tool. So it's a, it's an exercise. It's like a journaling prompt. And some of them are like scavenger hunts. There's one that's based on Seinfeld. Like they're really fun and engaging and the book is super interactive and I'm really proud of it. And I like it. And yeah, it come, doesn't come out to April 5th. I'm not sure when this will be airing, but it's a great way for people to get started. But if people want to get started tonight, you know, just ask yourself a good question. Like, what do I need to know right now? And just start writing and see what comes up. And then, you know, keep doing it. Just writing how you're feeling, checking in with yourself. We have 60,000 thoughts a day and often they're repeat thoughts. So they're repetitive thoughts of like, oh, I'm really nervous about this. And you think about that, or I'm, I'm upset about this relationship thing, or I'm upset about this work thing, or I'm upset about this physical thing, or I'm excited about something, whatever. But if you can get past those thoughts, like skim them away, like you're skimming off the top of a pond, you'll get to the clear thought forms, the new ideas, the fresh ideas that are underneath all of that. So like skimming the pond to get to the clear water, you're doing that with your mind. And so that's why journaling is really effective. And that's why I wrote the book. Gosh, that is that is so cool. So thank you for sharing that. And I guess three last questions I have. And I have I've had a blast, you know, listening to you talk about all of these things. I could really probably be here all day and then just be like a good student and just soak everything in. Oh my know? gosh. Well, we live <laughs> by each other so we can just hang out whenever. <laughs> oh, definitely. And and the question I want to ask before the final two is, you do blogging and, and social media as well. And we live in that in a generation where it's easily easily to, to do these things, right? And, and for someone who might be listening in, they're saying, hmm, I have you know a, a thing that I was going through that I want to be able to inform myself about and then also you know begin to share and talk about it. What would you say for that person to do? I would just say like Nike style, just do it. Just share. Just put yourself out there and share. It's so cathartic. I mean, I, like I said, I started my blog kind of before this all unfolded. And then as it has unfolded, I've been growing and changing right along as my blog has grown and changed. And, you know, there's, I lost some people and I gained some people. Some people were ready to hear the message. Some people weren't. Some people came back. It it doesn't matter. I think just like putting yourself out there and just like sharing your message unapologetically on social media, you'll find your tribe. It's a great way to connect to people. It's a great way to meet people. I think having a podcast has been the best networking tool for me. I'm sure Blake, you've Oh yeah, definitely. Realized it. Like I've made some amazing friends. I've found mentors that way. It's been fantastic for me. So I, I really, really love um, that. And same thing with Instagram. I've met people through that. I've met people through my blog. So I, I think the internet is an amazing thing. I'm so happy to be <laughs> even a small corner of it with my blog and what I do. So yeah, I, I couldn't, you know, I would just encourage people to start really. I think that that's, that's the main thing. There's this great Yogi Bhajan quote that he says, when the pressure is on you, start and the pressure will be off. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a great one. Oh, I love that. And the final question, 
is since you already did the call to action, just do it. Just go out there and do it. Build build that tribe is what you were saying, and and be vulnerable and put yourself out there. So I think that's an awesome way to say that. And then the final question is, you know, what is your definition of fulfilling life's yearnings? I think that fulfilling life's yearnings to me is just being yourself. It's showing up as who you are. And to do that, you have to figure out who you are and get to know yourself, whether that's through journaling or through spending some quiet time with yourself. It's getting to know yourself, figuring out who you are on a deep soul level and learning to like that person might come later, but if you can like that person and even love that person, you'll allow them to appear in the world and show up in the world and be who you are in all your normal interactions. Because unfortunately in life, we put on these masks of who we think people want us to be rather than who we are. And that holds everyone back. It doesn't make us feel good because we aren't being who we're meant to be. We're faking it. And then the other people will will sense that on some level and know that it's not actually us. And so it, nobody wins. So I think fulfilling your life's yearnings is just fulfilling your yearning in yourself to be yourself and allowing yourself to show up as yourself. Mm-hmm. Well said. That was Katie Delbau. And Katie, before you get out of here, how can we stay in contact with you to see what you have going on? I am... Online everywhere at Katie Dalebout, K A T I E D A L E B O U T, Dale about, just like about, Dale about. Um, yeah, hang out with me online, follow me. Um, my podcast is called The Wellness Wonderland Radio or WW Radio, and I'd love for you to listen to that as well if you're a podcast listener. And it was really great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm really glad that you know we were able to you know, connect and, and get to hear your story. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you have coming out next and then also continuing to get to know you in the future. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you soon. And as always, guys, go out there and be fly. Thanks for listening to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. I want to know what your biggest takeaway is. So please head on over to fulfillinglifesyearnings.com today and click on the show notes link for today's episode, which is located on the homepage, and leave a comment. The show notes page is where you can find the resources mentioned during the show and will be very valuable for you on your own journey. To stay up to date about what's happening, please subscribe to my newsletter and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're subscribing on iTunes, it would definitely mean a lot to me if you would leave a review to show future potential listeners of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings what you think as your voice helps them decide if Fulfilling Life's Yearnings is right for them. Now it's in your hands. Are you ready to fly? Until next episode, stay in the zone and make today a fly day by taking action on your dreams.